Welcome to another episode of Bench Talk. I'm your host, Tom Gerrard. Today, I'm sitting down with Bristol-based artist, Rich T. How you going, Rich? Hello, mate. Good, thank you. Thanks for taking the time to have a chat. That's all right. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. No worries. It's hard to manage the uh, the time zones in uh, at this time of year. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I'm, I'm a night owl, so I'm up. I'm drawing at this time of night, usually. Yeah, I'm drawing at this time of morning. So. Yeah. <laughs> So so how how do you say your name? Is it is it like Rich T or Richd or uh, do you know what? I've never ever worked that out myself. Like I I don't know how you pronounce it. Uh I it's my name is Rich Thorne, so due to the need to have a name and I couldn't be fucked to think of one. Um it it was Rich T, but I just don't like the way that sounds. So I just started taking the space out and confusing everybody. But I was the only one who never had to say it because I would never tell anyone what I write or anything. I just find it's cringeworthy. <laughs> no, it's worth for you now. I just dropped it. Well, kind of like not dropped it, but I just say my name's Rich when anyone asks. I don't yeah. bother with any of the other yeah. stuff. You've always been rich to me. Thank you, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> and wealthy. Nah, um, <laughs> so um, so where are you from and uh, how did you get into art? Um, I'm from the southwest. I'm from, I'm from North Devon, um, which is about an hour and a half from Bristol. Um, and I just got into art the same way we all did, you know, skating, hip-hop, graffiti, just all those influences, comic books, cartoons, you know, just not very good at school, didn't pay attention. Um, and that all those things were just, you know, funneled into us. If you were a kid at that time period, like late 80s, early 90s, it was the heyday of He-Man and Thundercats and, you know, it was just all that stuff and skateboarding came along and all the graphics. So, yeah, the same way as everyone, I reckon. Yeah, no, not everyone. I don't know. Everyone's got different stories, but I guess it's like because I don't know. I think about the the 80s and 90s, and a lot of that, um, well, especially skateboarding, you were sort of an outcast, you know, because everyone's yeah. into fo- football and stuff like that, you know. Like, just skateboarding is not a crime. Stickers, you know, just yeah. like, that really sticks with me. But like that wasn't that wasn't done as a joke. That was like that was like a thing. <laughs> I remember the cops taking my board and put it in their police car and like just driving off. Yeah. Like, well, for what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just stupid. But yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people that I hang out with and hung out with were into into skateboarding, and then that was like a gateway drug to graph. Yeah. Just always knocking about on the street. Yeah. Did you find that you were um like you know? 100% skater and then graph started creeping in and then you were like 50-50 and then the skating sort of takes a backseat. I was always into drawing and I was always into art and then a bit of surfing and then I just as soon as I sort of reacquainted myself with a skateboard because I obviously knew about skateboards and I think about this a lot of what I thought about skateboards before I was a skateboarder. Do you ever think about that when you when you saw a skateboard, but you didn't you didn't have a skateboard, and uh, 
my relationship with it before and after. And I think the thing that made me skateboard was rollerblades because someone bought me some rollerblades for Christmas or something. And I was like Bambi on ice and I hated them. And I could never skateboard before, but my sister could. And I just didn't think about it. And then I just used a skateboard one day because it was easier than strapping on those stupid boots. And then I could skate. And then that was it. I was sold. And that was like age 13, 14. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, that that was like, it's such a weird turning point. And that was, uh, and what, it was like the graphics and stuff like that in comic books that sort of got yeah. you into art? Yeah, like they all fed into it. Um, I used to make my dad draw um, stuff out of my comic books in pencil and then I would go over it in a pen and I would do that for, you know, I'd just drive him mad doing that. I'd just make him draw me turtles and Slimer from Ghostbusters and Spider-Man, obviously, and just like, just make him draw it and draw it and draw it. And then I would just take them and just get a big black pen and outline it. <laughs> would you claim it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Show your mates. Look what I've done. <laughs> we didn't have internet. I've been, been pulled out fighting by my dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have to carry him around in your pocket. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I don't think I. I don't think I. Uh, I. I cared about them being mine. I cared about the process. I liked. I liked feeling like it, I was making something that was better than my abilities. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I couldn't draw like that, and the, it was like. a the cheat code oh, i was just so obsessed with just following the line it's probably yeah. why i like drawing you know yeah so how old were you when you uh moved to bristol um i was probably 21 20 21 um it was around 2001 2002 i think so uh yeah had it been 21 i think and what made you move? Um, because by that point, I'd sort of become obsessed with graph and obsessed with um, the scroll books. So I was just like, I knew that Jago, Barris, um, uh, you know, just like TCF crew, Sick Boy, like just loads of people that I really liked what they were doing and they were all, um, they all seemed to be in Bristol and it was an hour and a half away from me. So um, I went through a few sort of like university clearing things to get to Bristol and then just dropped out of college immediately once I was here and got a job. Um, and then I still didn't really know how to paint or had ever really been painting because I'm where I'm from, like, there's only one person in my hometown that painted, and that's Mau Mau. Um, and, yeah, that was it. And uh, I just knew I wanted to be in Bristol. Yeah. I've actually painted with Mau Mau before. Mau Mau's a legend, man. A legend. In, uh, in Melbourne, like, back, I don't know, probably at least 15 years ago. Uh, mate, when I was, like, 15 years old, uh, I found out about him through parties he used to throw down there and um i just dropped him an email and said can i come and check out your studio and yeah he just said yeah of course you can and i just went and hung out there and annoyed the shit out of him for a day and he was just showing me sketchbooks and showing me what he's working on and showed me banksy's first books and things and 
you know, just a 16, 15, 16 year old kid who happened to live 10 miles away or whatever. Um, so that's, you know, that's a big part of my sort of infatuation with it was, was meeting him and just being inspired by someone in the generation above me, you know? Yeah. And, you know, seeing, like seeing it all firsthand, because a lot of, uh, you know, if you're isolated, a lot of exposure to, to art and culture is through, you know, books, TV, magazines, things like that. So to see it firsthand, was that um, a big inspiration for you? Do you feel like, oh, I can do this too? That's, it's quite daunting because I was like looking at TCF's crew, which is like Paris, Eco, Dicey, Zens, um, Caesar, you know, like all these writers, Feek, and they were doing incredible productions. And, it, it, you know, it was it was way beyond me like way beyond me but I knew I liked drawing and I, I I didn't really realize at that point that there was room for all of it I always thought it was like one thing or the other I think yeah which is why I gave myself a stupid graffiti name I didn't really need one <laughs> what, what was that I need one I just mean like, I, I just felt like I needed to fit in with that and I think I spent a lot of time trying to do that instead of doing my own thing you know what, what name did you give yourself? Oh, just Rich T or Ricked or whatever the hell you want to call it, you know? Oh, what? So you, that, like, that was your first one, this fresh off the yeah. bat? Yeah. So um, when I moved to Bristol um, that first year, I was just drawing in my sketchbook in my room. I lived in a big shared house, and one of the girls who I lived with was doing a uni project with this other guy who was 45, 45 RPM, and he came Hi. over. Like, we swapped sketchbooks. And then that was it. We were like, right, let's go and do some stuff. And then... I thought you meant he was 45 years old. No. <laughs> it's creepy guy. Still <laughs> um, quite creepy, but yeah. That's why I met him. And then together, we both realised that, you know, we were kind of into all these people in Bristol. Like, you know, a big influence on me was Jago. Um, and he was one of the first people to sort of reach out and sort of say... I like your stuff and you know it was just like a friendly face which is like an important thing when you're new to a city and yeah he was really good yeah yeah I've always uh always really liked Bristol like even before I uh went there I was always watching from afar like even within the 90s with the music that was coming out of there you know with the Porter's Head Massive Attack and and then all you know drum and bass and stuff like that yeah, and then, strange. and then with the art, like you know, Banksy was coming through, and then all the uh, heaps, lots of writers as well. It was, yeah. um, I don't know, it's always been a really rich scene. Yeah, and it, it it's a really strange place because it's such a small city compared to Manchester, London. You know, it, it's not that big, um, but it just seems to have like always attract these sort of people, and it still mm. does. It still does, like. You know, every every couple of years, it kind of refreshes itself. Um, yeah, what's you know, the art scene like there now? At the moment, uh, not great. It's like there's loads of writers, but there's no galleries really. There's no there's no scene to speak of outside of bombing, apart from like a few people doing. You know, with people still painting walls and doing productions. You've got good writers, but there used to be like a, a gallery scene that kind of supported that and for a city that's so famous for 
graph or street art, whatever you want to call it, it's bizarre that there's no there's no place for that. There's mm. no dedicated space for that, really. Um, yeah. Which is a shame, but I, I guess these things happen and it, it sort of ebbs and flows and, you know, it, it'll come back. But I was, you know, I only really recently noticed it because I was trying to do a show and you just look around and there's nowhere. There's just like just landlords and estate agents. So, so it's just it's just really difficult. Yeah. Is it is it really expensive to rent over there? Yeah, I think that's probably part of it. I think everyone leaving London and moving to Bristol has kind of um, rammed the prices right up, probably. Yeah, because I was looking at um, like here in Melbourne, I was I saw a, uh, a a place up for rent the other week, and I was just I just saw the um, the real estate agent sign out the front, and I thought I'll give him a call and just see what that is, like how much that is, because this looks like an amazing space to do. I don't know a gallery or pop up or anything or even a studio, yeah. And it was and it was so bloody expensive. It, like, like I'm talking like um, you've got to be making a really really good salary just to be able to pay the rent on the place, and then and then you've got to make more than that for your living. <laughs> it was, and it was it was only tiny as well. And I'm thinking, gee, how how do they expect to um have anything cool happening? Around here, aren't they, man? That's a, it's just the same. It's the same in every major city. Melbourne's really similar to Bristol. I thought, like the vibe of it is similar to Bristol. Um, really creative, really interesting. You know, lots of little independent things going on and events and stuff. But then you make somewhere cool, and guess what? You can't afford to live there anymore. So yeah, yeah. And then there's the um, there's the other side of it as well, where you know someone does take the plunge. And they go stuff it, you know. The city needs this. I'm going to make it happen. But then, to be able to uh, bankroll it, they have to, you know, charge the, you know, the artists a lot to show there, and you know, high, um, high commissions and things like that. And then, I don't know it makes it hard for the artists then, and it's it's really difficult. Um, even harder for the people that live in those areas and before before they, you know, when they get run down and then they're the only places that young people can set up businesses and those people are then, you know, forced out of that area. I don't know what the solution is. Mm. I think the only thing that can happen is that the these sort of like little pockets of sort of trendy parts to live in cities, it just constantly moves in a circle. And as the cool bit becomes over and done with, you know, it just moves around to the next bit. And by the time you go full circle, maybe the original place you started is back to being shit again. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You who know, knows? Creation. Yeah. From what I've seen, though, it always starts with um, the graffiti writers. You know, because cool. we just cause go places where no one wants to go. Exactly. You go to the shitty areas because you can get away with painting there. And then and then the, the graffiti makes the area cool. Then some um, bars and stuff writer. will pop up. What's that? about being a writer is you get to travel and you never go to a single tourist trap. You never go to a single shithole because someone looks after you, takes mm. you to absolute amazing spot. And, you know, you, you never see the side of the city that 99% of tourists see ever. Mm. You yeah. see all the good stuff. Well, what yeah. we think is the good stuff, which is what they think would be scary as shit probably. Exactly. You take, you take a, uh, a random person there, they'll be like, what the hell are we doing here? Probably yeah. think they're going to get murdered or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
So um, so we met through our uh, mutual friend, Forty Five RPM. Um, yeah. you and guys through, through Sewell as well, right? And and Matt Sewell, yeah. Yeah. And um, and you've uh, you've had a long uh, painting history with um, Forty Five RPM. Like you, you mentioned how you guys met before, but like um, I don't know how how how's that uh, been working with him? And you know, do you guys still work a lot together? Um. Do you know what? Like, I've pretty much only, uh, I mean, there's a handful of occasions. I don't really count myself as a writer, but I only really paint with 45 or, you know, predominantly I've only painted with him. So um, I've always just been like, uh, you know, he's been just sort of like guiding me through it, really. I just, I'm just into drawing and, um, probably learned to paint with him in Bristol and then a lot of times in London and yeah it's just been it's just weird we just kind of um been like brothers you know just like stuck together so we share a studio still now so we got a little spot in the center of Bristol so every day come in have a coffee draw paint nip off to the pub you know and if it's a nice day we'll go and catch a wall um it's just really difficult now because i've got a kid he's got one on the way so it, when you turn it into your work you know you 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 got to spend a lot of time trying to find that work and uh, I, I quite like keeping graph as my fun and uh the best thing about Going painting is all the stuff that happens on the way there and the way back, right? And all the little stories that crop up. You know, the piece might be dog shit, but on the way there, you're bound to do something ridiculous or something funny's going to happen, you know? So those days are the best days, really. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, um, I remember coming to, uh, to Bristol just to spend the weekend with, uh, with 45 RPM and then I'll invite some friends who, you know, like mutual friends as well. We all end up in Bristol at the same time. I just remember having just uh, amazing times. Even even a bit. I remember one day it was like pissing down with rain all day. We still got like five pieces done. Went to the pub, then went to some massive party. Did we do What's the tunnel that day? Yeah, yeah. With uh, with Tizer. Yeah, and, and boy. Yep, there was a whole bunch of us. But that's the, the thing. Everyone started coming out of the woodworks. What's that? Fun- the fucking rain washed the washed the fill out of pieces. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> so we did it in mulch, and then like the tunnel was leaking, and it washed all of the fill out of the piece. And when we came back, it was like we had a transparent fill with someone else's piece, like just showing through. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some some of us ended up with better looking pieces than we did. Was it you that had to draw when we were doing drawing club in the pub as well? Yeah. Oh yeah, and I drew sick boy's girlfriend, and, and she looked really bad, like ugly, and and she was pissed off with me, and it was like, hey, I just can't draw people very well. <laughs> yeah, so we all had to draw each other in a circle, and everyone can draw dudes because you know you just make it ugly and it's funny, and you had to draw the only girl sat at the table. <laughs> yeah, she didn't talk to me for the rest of the night. Oh shit! So. You know who else was there that day as well? Um, Buzz was there. R.I.P. Buzz. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Good I've day. still got that sketchbook. I've still got all those drawings. It's good. Yeah, yeah it was a fun day. Yeah. When are you coming um, back? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I was just in, in the UK last year. 
So I don't know, it might be another year or so. But I want to come back to Bristol. I always have a good time there. Cool. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Because um, that's where I first met. Uh, I remember um, we went out one night and I hadn't met Ebot before. And he and he came back and stayed at 45's place as well. And he, he, he took the couch and I ended up having to sleep on the floor. And uh, and he set his alarm for, for work for 6.45 or something. And he just slept <laughs> through it. And it was right next to my head. I was like, oh, who the hell is this guy? And then, and and the funny thing is, is from that weekend, a relationship formed. I ended up travelling around India with him. <laughs> yeah. That's all it takes. So, yeah. So it's those times it's in uh, <laughs> it's those random weekends in Bristol where uh, you know, great things, you know, relationships yeah, are formed. That, and I remember that India trip. You did some good pieces, man. It was looked like it was loads of fun. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was loads of fun. I've actually been reminiscing a lot on it um, at the moment because, uh, you know, due to the coronavirus situation that we're in. No, I and, uh, and, uh, and I remember being in India and uh, being shit scared about getting sick because, yeah. I, you know, a few years previous I'd been in um, South America for a couple of years and I, I just, I was sick. Like every three weeks to a month I was sick for about a week and it was, I was so, so I just kept... It was just really annoying. Who wants to be sick, you know, bedridden? Mm. And then uh, and I realised that um, a lot of it was to do with, like, uh, yeah, before I went to um, India, I did some research and I realised a lot of it was to do with um, handling money and uh, and not washing your hands and stuff like that. And so when I went to India, I was like, all right, that's it. I'm going to I'm gonna um, carry hand sanitizer everywhere, be really cautious of what I'm touching and... Um, and uh, wash my hands every time I, I, you know, handle money or hold onto a railing or, mm. I don't know, just whatever. And I was real diligent with it. I was there for four months. Didn't get sick once. Really? Yeah. Apart from when I was in this little fishing village and they they, they pulled, oh, they got some fish out of the local river and I stupidly ate it and that's when I was really sick. But that was the only time. You're washing your hands every 35 seconds and then you eat your nah. fish. <laughs> I know, I just wasn't thinking. I know, my wife was looking at me just shaking her head going, don't do it, don't do it. It's like, oh, no, it's fish, it'll be all right, you know. And, um, yeah, oh, man, I was. They, I went on a canoe about three hours later and Ooh. I just spent the whole oh, canoe man. ride with my over the head. <laughs> oh, no. The local guy was like, patting me on the back and all that. <laughs> Not a proud moment. But, um, but yeah, but, uh, but, yeah, but I don't know, like... Sorry, just thinking back to that, like with this whole coronavirus stuff, I'm just putting the same mentality into place, like just pretending I'm in India again. And it's like, yeah. just keep, keep your hands clean. Don't eat the fish. Don't eat the fish and you'll be <laughs> all right. Yeah, um, I can't believe it. I'm just like, that was a really good, yeah. I know what you mean about those weird weekends. We seem to, um, I know everyone's done like this, but maybe not everyone realises how, that's my favourite thing about about Graph is is those weekends because I've been to people's houses I've never met before. I've stayed for like a few days and I've had more fun in those two, three days than you would have in like five weeks of just being at home on your own and to host people when they come. And I don't know what it was about that weekend. I don't know why there were so many of us in Bristol. But yeah, it's just it's so much fun because everyone's out and like you know it only takes one writer from outside of the city to come and everyone in the city comes out yeah 
it's just really nice. So with your your style, like it, to me, it seems like a mixture between uh, like comics and graffiti. Like, um, exactly. who have been some of your uh, biggest in- inspirations? Um, yeah, that's exactly it, and it it took me it took me a long time to get to that realization myself. I feel like a lot of the stuff I do is subconscious, and I don't ever give myself credit for working out what it is but I kind of worked it out recently about last year year before maybe um I've always always been torn between my love of um 60s and 70s comics and wanting to draw sort of stupid goofy stuff as well more graph based stuff and for ages I couldn't get the balance right I couldn't work it out so um Jack Kirby is probably my biggest influence king of comics you know created Doctor Doom the Fantastic Four Galactus uh just hundreds of characters for Marvel and DC in like their boom time and then through loving him I just sort of branched out into other artists from that era and other inkers um and then uh, just wanting to abstract it, I guess. And then a lot of the bars and connectors and balls and things come from doodars on graph. I mean, other people probably don't call it doodars, but we call it doodars. You know, when you start and fluff up a piece at the end, <laughs> you try and add all the little bells and whistles. Yeah, so like, yeah. I always love that bit, just adding the little connections and stuff. And uh, yeah, it just seemed to make sense to try and abstract it with that because I could see the way that like an arm could bend and then scope for a bar to break out and connect to something else. And yeah, so it's 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 definitely, as you say, it's, it's trying to mix the sort of graph that I like with the sort of comics I like. Yeah, because I can really see um, even like you know, you, you use black outline a lot, you know, you lay your colours down and then you put the black outline on top. It's it's sort of that same graph approach. Yeah, that's the only way I know how to paint, though. <laughs> Especially on a wall. I don't know how to paint any other way. I always get in trouble from 45 because I'll start outlining halfway through the fills because my stuff relies so much on the contrast of the black that I don't know if it's going to be worth doing until I put some black in it. So I'll start outlining sort of midway through before I've even finished filling because I need to draw draw and start laying down shadows and lines so I can work out the contrast and the balance is right and yeah it might be that or I might just have no attention span <laughs> yeah it's funny I was uh, in the pub with a mate the other night and he um he said, he, like, I'm working on a portrait at the moment. And he said, oh, how's that portrait coming along? And I said, oh, I'm not, not too bad. I'm, I've pretty much finished my fills. I'm ready for outline. And he goes, once a writer, <laughs> always a writer. <laughs> how do you do a portrait in fills? <laughs> this is how I do it. Yeah, yeah I can see it. Yeah. <laughs> Just got to do the highlights. <laughs> yeah. Key Jazz line. Put a key line around it. Yeah. It's done. A few doodads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um but yeah, but I don't know, it's like when you you work out your formula and you do it 
and that's it. And that's it's sort of like I, I think it's an evolution. Back. Yeah. 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 It's like an evolution of uh, of what you know, like I think with a, if it's really hard to turn a corner as an artist and com- start painting completely different. And I respect a lot of artists that do that, but yeah. I also like um, um, artists where what they're, they're painting fits really well in big fancy galleries and everything, but you can tell it's painted exactly like how they'd paint a piece and they've come from graffiti and you, they've just, they've just changed the imagery. Mm. Yeah. And I'm, I, it is really hard to, for me to let go of the cleanliness and the crispness and to be more relaxed. Mm. Paint in any other way. Like I can't, I can't have an open-ended line, you know, I can't have anything. <laughs> it's, it's just so weird, but yeah, I always outline in New York caps. And I think now when I draw in procreate or whatever, I just spent ages trying to find the brush that was closest to a New York cap. So yeah, everything's uniformed and everything different line widths piss me off man like <laughs> they shouldn't do because it's just mark making but i can't handle it <laughs> yeah that's why everyone's different though as well because like you, you're talking about all about crispness and everything and i don't know me i go the other way i, I try i i paint as loose as i can as long Mate, as my as long as my paint uh, work i wish i was able to do it I wish yeah. I was able to, but in the back of your head, do you not always think, yeah, but it's not me. It's not me. You know, like you shouldn't think like that. You should just put out what you put out. But I always think I can't put that out. It's not me. You know? No, no, I don't think like, I think uh, if, when I try to paint really crisp, because even with my graffiti and if, if you see my handwriting and all that, you can, everything's really messy. And, mm-hmm. um, and when I try to paint really perfect, I, I miss the mark. You know, when mm-hmm. it's like, it's if there's one line out of place it sort of throws the whole thing off it's yeah. mine's a bit like that it's like if i try to paint perfect i'll never quite get it perfect enough yeah. so can, the other way that can work is like people trying to paint messy and it looks forced exactly yeah like trying to copy a kid's drawing will never look like a kid's drawing because mm. there's a there's a freedom and like if you're truly happy painting like that you're going to have that freedom but if you're trying to force it it just looks lame and I always, I can see where I forced it, you know? Yeah. yeah it was real interesting with, um, like, years ago when I was uh, living in Spain, um, Soffles was in town and we went out painting. We painted a few times. And then um, and there was all this, uh, the, the graffiti over there is, you know, really loose and playful. And he yeah. was like, oh, let's, I want to do some uh, some more Spanish-style uh, Spanish piece. Soffles and he, uh yeah, and he and he had a crack at it. He couldn't, and it was it was too. Um, he couldn't break all the rules that he'd set himself in his head. If you know what I mean, no, it I'm still not. came out really crisp and real. Like, yeah, it, it, you could tell. Um, you know, he he'd worked on his craft so long to be exactly the way he wanted it. it like to go to the other way, it wasn't in his um, Which it wasn't in his body movements. It's frustrating for any artist to be spend so long like doing one thing and like learning that and then seeing something that just go oh that looks way more fun (laughs) (laughs) you know yeah is that when you were in barca yeah yeah with punk yeah 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 he's still there yeah punk used to live in bristol eh? i know it's the first time i met him i was in um in bristol i organized to meet him and he said i'm moving to barcelona i'm packing up my house i can't can't come and meet you 
and I'd never met him before. And then um, he goes, look, I'm, I'm just, I'm cleaning up my house. I've just found all this paint that I need to get rid of. And I, um, he came and dropped it off and I went and did a piece with uh, him and 45 and he snuck a quick one in. Nice. With it. Yeah, without getting in trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then I, I met up with him properly in, uh, in Barcelona and um, yeah, we spent a lot of time painting together. It's been great. Yeah. Man, he's just fresh. Like, no other word for it. Yeah, yeah. He's definitely a, a master at his craft. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. He's still really keen, though. Like, even when I was out there um, last year, like, every night, like, I, I was staying at his place, and we were out, out painting every night. And then I thought, oh, it's, he's only doing this because I'm in town. And then um, and then I was just watching him over the, uh, you know, the following weeks. And it was like, no, he's still out every night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's the way over there though it's just i don't know there's a lot it's a lot more freedom with that yeah. sort of thing well maybe not right now but yeah <laughs> maybe not right now now's not the, the right time but um, no. yeah but um you know while we're in the midst of all this like have you have, have you been affected by the coronavirus stuff much uh yeah and yes and no i think it's coming like so today is what's the date the 18th of march uh and uh yeah we're going to be we're going to be pretty much in the same situation as italy and spain in a couple of days so um yeah shops are empty um schools are closing um yeah so it's gonna get fucked yeah well more fucked than it is and yeah. uh we just got a fucking I don't know what we got to do, but just stay the fucking doors, people. Yeah, but with with you, does that how does that affect you? Like because you you know as an artist, like I know for me, like I work in isolation on a daily basis, so chilling, yeah, mate. Sort of, sort of <laughs> business as usual. But does that affect does that affect yeah, you a lot? Be. I would be chilling if there wasn't a three and a half year old in isolation with me. Yeah. So um, yeah, no, it's fine. Like I've seen a lot of fucking stupid memes going around like you know isol self-isolation we just call it freelance man it's just <laughs> it's just freelance it's it, from 2007 until like you know last week I spend most of my time you know on my own drawing or in the studio drawing you know it's nice to have a studio because that's why we have studios shared spaces because otherwise if you're a freelancer and you work from home you just go mad like you have to make up excuses to go to the shops and you know get some outside time because otherwise you just why would you go outside you have lunch in your house it's cheap i did it for years and then i just got a studio to break that break that habit because um it's not healthy for you it's look all pale and withdrawn and antisocial which is what we'll all be. I was, I was going to say, well, isn't that the English look? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's the vibes. Yeah. Sorry, um, just joking, pommies. No, it's fine, you know. Yeah. I don't want to live half a mile from the sun. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... Well, but yeah. Let's, let's not talk about it, because um, people are thinking about it too much as it is, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I, I haven't really been speaking about it to anyone. It's just I'm I'm interested to sit, hear your views, but uh, I don't well, know. I think it's I think as as a lot of the the deadly side of things is really bad. 
but as far as um, I think it's actually a really exciting time as well because it's shaking up the whole world. And it's not like, like with, you know, when things like this have happened in the past, it's been war and, mm. and it's usually isolated in a region of the world and it's us versus them and this and that. Whereas, whereas with this, it's a, it's a global issue. The whole world's going through it. So yeah. if one person's like going, oh, poor me, this is like, hey, man, everyone in the world is going through this right now. So I hope, I hope that we get some togetherness. I hope we get exactly. some community. Exactly. And yeah. I hope we get a sense of what's important out of it. Yeah. Unfortunately, to get that, it's going to be the worst economic crisis since the Second World War. It's probably going to be worse than the economic crisis of the Second World War. So, and obviously a lot of people are going to die. But yeah. maybe, maybe we won't all die from climate change. I don't know. Like, yeah. I don't know. But I think there's a there's a shift that's going to happen. How do you want to well. die? <laughs> what's that sorry like, how do you want to die pick one virus or climate change which one do you want uh i don't know yeah neither but like yeah. maybe the virus you know is is the solution to you know you're already seeing um fish in in the venice canals and dolphins returning to the shores of venice within what like three weeks of this or two weeks of this and you know there's you know china seemed to have turned a corner with it through um getting everyone to isolate um i don't know man i just i just feel really sad for the people of italy right now i just feel really really sad it's just it's too much it's too much for people to bear yeah yeah it's really sad Sorry, sorry to go down this path. It's just happening at the moment. It's just like we're in it, and it's and it's just this great, great unknown that's in front of all of us. And um, I think yeah. you've got the right attitude, man. I think there's definitely some positives to be had from this, and we just need to find yeah. it. I just, man, I just, I just think that there's massive change happening, and it's and I as on on that front, I'm actually quite excited to see what happens in the world. Yeah, like, yeah. like I've been, I've been in situations like this in my own life where I've been like, shit, what's going to happen here? Like I've been, you know, held at gunpoint in the jungle in Colombia and held hostage in there for four days. <laughs> and on, and I remember when I remember <laughs> when that was happening, I was like, shit, like what's going to happen here? And it was a bit scary. But as soon as they put the guns away and would chill with us and we're just like just talking to us normal and all that, I thought, oh. Well, this is pretty exciting. Like, this doesn't happen every day. Like, they're obviously not going to kill us. Like, now we've got to work out a way you out of here. And my wife was and shot them all. <laughs> no, my wife was beside herself, and I was like pretty calm about it. And it's the same now. She's a bit like, "Fuck, what's going to happen with money?" And like, you know, like, like, like her work's closed down, and you know, like I've had projects cancelled and everything like that. But I just think back to that time in the jungle, and it's like it was the same feeling. It's like, wow. What's going to happen here? This is pretty, uh, pretty interesting. It's not like your day-to-day stuff, mm. you know. Um, but that's what I'm saying. It's like, and 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 I'm, I feel for all the people who are getting sick, all the people who are dying, like, and people are having financial hardships. But uh, but globally, everyone is experiencing this right now, and it's and and on the and it's just looking forward and going, wow, what's this going to look like in a year's time, six months' time, even. Yeah. I mean, one thing you can say is that it it wasn't sustainable. We know that. We know what we were doing wasn't sustainable. So, 
Um, I still don't think we've done, maybe I don't think it's enough to have turned a corner. I think like you look at, you know, you look on summers in Australia and you look at winters here and the flooding and the heat waves and, you know, we've done that. So I don't know. I don't know. Well, something had to change. If you look at it, like we've, you know, at the start of this year, we've, Australia was on fire, you know, and then, and then, and then England was flooded. Mm. And then, I don't know, then you look back, there's been a whole, there's a whole string of things. If you actually look at it, there's been one after the other, after the other, after the other. And it's like, well, stuff, you know, something really needs to change here. Yeah. You know, anyway, back to art. (laughs) Back to the important things in the world, like. Exactly. Making pretty pictures. pictures. (laughs) God, what are we going to do in the new world order, Tom? Keep painting. Nah, no one's going to need us. They'll, they'll just use us for meat. But do you do it for other people or do you do, do you do it for yourself? Nah, but like, I mean, what skills are transferable to the new world order? <laughs> A sweet fate. <laughs> Signs will need to be made. <laughs> Pro- <laughs> propaganda posters. <laughs> like the old days. Yeah, we'll be trading yeah. in rat pelts. Um, no, let's not talk about it anymore. Nah. Sorry about that. Sorry to put a dampener on things. I just uh, don't worry. Just I mean, we're in the thick of it. We are. It's a great unknown. It's like no one, like we don't even know what what laws are going to be put in place in the next twenty four hours here in Australia. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it's true. Okay, so uh, changing subjects a bit. Um, yeah. Let's get back to the art stuff because that's all pretty heavy. But uh, I saw a video of you uh, drawing online on an iPad. Um, is that how you normally work? Um, at the moment it is sort of taken over really. I, I didn't really find out about it until about a year and a half ago. I got one, I bit the bullet cause I was kind of dead against it. Cause I've always been a sketchbook kind of person. I just love sketchbooks. I think they're really important. Um, I still think they're really important actually. Um, uh, but Jesus Christ, man, Procreate is the one. It's just the one. So when I got it, I was prepping for my show. And uh, I realized that we all spend so much time looking at our phones and looking at TV. And I just realized what a colossal waste of time that was. And I was picking up a sketchbook of an evening to draw. And my attention span is so low that if the drawing went even slightly wrong, I... Um, we just sort of put the book down and look at my phone. Um, so I needed to sort of stop that. So I just got the iPad. And now, like, over an evening, I just I just draw on that. And I don't get bored. And I just start a new layer. And, yeah, it's just it's kind of made me like drawing again. It does have its downsides. Like, you can't sketch freely in it. You can't just doodle in it because it doesn't lend itself to that. It lends itself to just making pieces. So I made all the pieces for my show in the iPad beforehand. I planned them all, like, start to finish. So that when I got into the studio, my time was, you know, literally just, I didn't waste time at all. I was just banging them out really quick because they were already planned. Yeah. And it, does that print uh, high res? Does that work like work like vectors? Or is it, um, like, I don't know, I've never used it. 
it's not vectors no it's more like photoshop um you can do like 300 dpi um and you got like you know a certain amount of layers depending on how big the file is um and you just merge them down as you go and what i was doing was i was drawing it all in that then i would just take the finished file into my mini projector and i would just project my drawing straight onto my canvas just put down the bare bones of it in a pencil and then take that canvas to the studio and just just paint it really just I realized how much time I wasted just freestyling in the studio, you know, because all of my stuff's abstract to a point. I mean, there's always just like a central image, but a lot of it's abstract. I was making it up as I went. And that's just not productive. It's just because you're constantly just changing brushes, changing colors and then just pencil. And yeah, you just need to have have it ready to go. I think in the back of my head, I thought it was cheating, but it's not because I still drew it, you know, <laughs> I've yeah. got it in my head that I have to make it on the canvas, but you shouldn't, you should just be more organized. Well, I should be anyway. Yeah. I've recently um, started gridding up paintings. Mm-hmm. So for instance, it all started with a, someone contacted me about um, doing a picture of their, their uh, grandfather's house. And it's like, yeah. oh, I, I looked at it and it's like, okay, I've got a really good front-on image of it. And I'm going to paint pretty much that image. And I thought, oh, but I'd hate to get the um, the measurements wrong and do a window too narrow or something like that and have it all out of whack. Mm-hmm. So I worked out the the size canvas and then I, I, I gridded it up on the computer and then I gridded up the canvas. And then I did it like that. And I thought, oh, well, this is this is much easier than ruling, ruling it all out and having to do the maths. Yeah. And so since then, I've been using just grids, which is pretty old school. But I just I like that idea of just knowing that everything's in the in the right place, and then I can just paint it all in in my style. I don't have to worry about the proportions. I think process is like a massive, massive part of painting that I never understood. Mm-hmm. I was always more like I feel like painting, I feel like drawing. I'm just going to draw. I don't want anything to slow me down or get in my way between me feeling like that and me doing that because I might lose that feeling. But what I've learned is that process is is just everything that was missing from my sort of practice. And cracking that has sort of unlocked something in my head. So between the iPad and buying an airbrush, I just kind of went, oh, fuck, I've got it. You know, I've worked it out. I can't believe I'm so stupid. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, f- I feel a bit the same with this grid thing. Like, I've only started doing it, like, two months ago. And it's like, yeah, man, I've been, been painting for 25 years. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. I'm, like, 37, and I just worked out how to fucking set about things. <laughs> yeah. But it's expanding the possibilities, because you've, you've spent all this time learning all these tricks, and now you've just learned a new one, which means that you can, you know, kind of do anything. Yeah. Which is so exciting. Yeah, exactly. So now that's why I was, um, you know, that's why I'm having a crack at this portrait that I'm doing where I'm, you know, I finished my fills and uh, ready to outline. <laughs> but but yeah. even with that, like I would never ap- approach something like that because I'd, I'd be worried about getting like so- someone's arm like too long and one arm short or, you know, the legs are a bit stumpy or, you know what I mean? Everything's a bit out yeah. of whack and it's a waste of time. I shouldn't have bothered. Well, that's that's crazy we're both talking about exactly the same thing you're talking about a grid but i'm talking about an ipad but they're the same thing yeah it's, exactly it's having it's having a way 
to uh, transfer your drawing to large scale um, without having to go through all the pain and the anguish of of fucking it up. You yeah. Remove the, you move the element of fucking it up, and you realise you can produce so much more work. Yeah, totally. You make it faster, and you can sell work faster. So therefore, you can fucking actually make some money. Yeah, yeah. It's been it's been a long old road. <laughs> yeah, but the funny thing is, is uh, just on the weekend, I did I did a piece, and I was painting with a um uh, an old, old graph writer from Melbourne called Hugh Dunnett. And it's like, oh man, I'm, you know, this is this is gonna be good. I, I don't wanna don't wanna fuck it up. Yeah. So I, I I actually sat down and did a sketch, which I haven't done for a long time. And I I worked and worked at it till I got one I really liked. And then yeah. I um, and then I started and I got to the wall and I marked it up. And it's like I couldn't get that sketch right on the wall. And it's like, oh man, I could go with a grid right now. And it's that age old thing it's like you know um like how many times have you done a piece where your sketch is amazing and your piece just doesn't have that same same flow to it times tom every fucking time <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah do that a... squiggle thing that people do what's that the squiggle grid squiggle grid yeah yeah i've never done that neither have i but I, f- I see people doing that and i think yeah it probably works i should do it <laughs> it's yeah. not worth it for a letter piece but like you know, I I don't want to paint more than an hour and a half anyway. I don't want to fucking. I, I'm like two hours maximum. Mm. And then yeah, I'm, I'm the same. <laughs> or two hours max, and then move on to another one, and to keep going till you end up at the pub. Yeah, but I I don't want to. I never ever want to find myself in front of some wall doing a weekend production. That doesn't interest me at all. No. What about uh? What about murals like paid mural? Would you do that? I like getting paid, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I haven't done loads of them. I've done a few, which I've enjoyed, but um, I did powwow, and that was fucking mind blowing. Yeah, just to be given like time and space and equipment and paint and told you've got as long as you need is quite a rare feeling, you know. Which, which powwow was that? Was that in Hawaii? Mm, no it was in washington dc cool um and it was yeah it was it was it was amazing man i feel really really lucky and really privileged to have been able to go and do that but yeah like all that space and time and yeah i had like five six days cherry picker and as much paint as you could need yeah yeah great it was really good if, if you haven't painted many murals, how'd you get invited to be part of that? Nobody knows, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got invited because uh, Kelly Towers, who organises it, hi Kelly, uh, it just contacted me on Instagram through my DMs. I was literally sat watching TV and I got an Instagram message saying, hey, you up for doing powwow? And I was like, fuck is this i thought it's spam <laughs> and i was like uh i think i answered before he'd finished typing i was like yes 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 i am yes <laughs> yeah 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 fun. but you know he picks it he picks people that he likes and uh there's a few people there that had never painted outside before so it was like it was a really good mix of like interesting styles and people and it was fun. 
All right, Rich, you ready for some rapid-fire questions? Yeah, absolutely. All righty. Name one artist who you think deserves more shine. I could name you, like, 35,000 artists that need more shine. Like, in the grand scheme of things, like, I, I, fuck it, I don't care. Do you know who needs less shine? <laughs> it's from that list. <laughs> um Jesus Christ, man, especially in this fucking street art world, whatever it is, you know, like, people are just dumb as fuck. Like, just some of the worst people out are getting paid through the nose and some of the freshest, fucking most amazing artists, like, pushing stuff forward and, you know, legendary writers are just, like, not getting any shine because it's just not a stormtrooper you know holding a fucking dildo or whatever it's just pathetic it's like it's ridiculous the whole thing's the wrong way around you know the people in charge of it should be the people that know about it but it's not that and it's yeah. probably never going to be that yeah i get what you're saying but i see it like music as well you know what i mean it's like yeah. some like there's amazing amazing uh musicians out there that never make it never really make a name for themselves and then they've got these like pop artists that are you know arguably you could say is completely crap and they're making a, a fortune just but, for the masses mate yeah but you know the same can be said for art but also there's a there's an element of like working behind the scenes as you know like working full-time as an artist like there's more there's more to uh, being an artist than just making paintings and um and some of these artists who are side, amazing yeah, amazingly fresh that's the side of the game that's more valued than the work yeah well unfortunately it's a big part of it and uh and some people are really whose art is not so desirable to us they they're really good at doing that other side of things and they they break through mm. wearing a black and white suit with squiggles all over it <laughs> <laughs> yeah Jeez. Christ, man. Um, no, okay, to answer your original question, like I'll just go to my go-tos because they've been my favourite and remain my favourite. Eco, fucking hell, man, Eco, just TCF, you know, the best, just the freshest and always will be. Yeah, <sighs> doesn't, doesn't more shine in our world, but probably needs all the shine in the art world. Petro, you know, like... Um, just incredible man like just ideas for days concepts just he's just fucking brilliant yeah um yeah i just i think of will barris i mean will barris is incredibly successful but i feel like he's all of our favorite artists you know like as an artist he's my favorite artist and like i feel like his ability to draw and his ability to just produce that stuff that he does is is so beautiful and yeah I, yeah he's just really important artist for me as well you know yeah uh, and i just i know in in my group of friends who paint and write these are people that we all look up to and yet you ask the general public and they're just you know they'll try out the same old names won't they but yeah like there's so many people so many people that just are just outstanding at what they do but don't play the game 
you know? Yeah. Which I kind of respect them more for, so. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Um, what's one medium you'd love to work with? Um, that's a good question. Do you know what I've been thinking about recently is when I was at college, I did like, I learned how to do paper cuts with like colored paper and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I always think it'd be really fun to do stuff with like the way I paint, it would be fun to layer that in colored paper from start to finish. I mean, it would yeah. be horrendously <laughs> long winded, which is probably why I've never done it. But it would look just like, you know, that perfect flat color of colored paper. And then I don't know how you would outline it, but like, yeah, I always think about that. I'll do some more like cut paper stuff. Yeah, I did a whole lot of them years ago, back in 2007. I did like, I think about 20 or 30 of them. Yeah. They're good fun. Yeah. Well, recently in my studio, I share my studio with my friend Hannah, uh, Peachy Hannah on Instagram. And she was like a bit stuck at what to do. And I was like, oh, I'll do some paper cuts. And then she started and they were so good immediately. You know, her style just fitted it. And yeah, I'm, it's in the back of my head now. And I'm just, I think that'll be something I want to try soon. Yeah. I, one thing I learned the hard way though, is get a frame before you start your piece. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then just, and then just make that, it to that, fit that, that frame. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. L- noted. Yeah. Um, what's one skill you wish you had? Uh, one skill. Just one? Yeah. I kind of... Uh, it'd be cool to play the piano, right? Like, that would be cool. To be able to go and sit at a piano and just play it, I think would be pretty magical. I think that's probably... Yeah, let's say that. Yeah. I can't play anything. I can't even play a drum. Like I can't I can't do anything. I'm not yeah. that way blind. Yeah, I know. I always feel that music is something that's missing from my life. You mm. know, being able to play a musical instrument. I've like I played the trumpet as a kid and I can read music. I still remember how to read it and all that. Like but um I don't know. I've just never picked up an instrument. I bet I know exactly when you stopped playing trumpet as well. Well, when I had to carry it every day, and I was oh, really, I was like small, scrawny kid lugging this thing around, and I was like, Man. picked up a skateboard, right? <laughs> yeah, it was around well, that time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not carrying the trumpet; I'm carrying the board. Exactly, exactly. Um, who are some of your favourite artists? Um, currently, yeah. uh, Smith Smith one. From Mexico, Smith one. Just mm-hmm. fucking think he's, you know, he's just operating at a different level. Um, Roids, Roids, just wow. What don't know what he's doing at the moment, but it's always incredible. You know, like the the way he switches it up is really inspirational. Um, <clears throat> um, let me think. Oh man, it's so difficult, isn't it? Because we spend our whole fucking lives just scrolling through that feed of people and uh, I don't keep anyone on there that I don't find inspirational, you know? I'm really militant with it. Mm. Um, Corleone from Portugal. 
yeah, I always love what he does. And, uh, I don't know. There's so many. Yeah. I like people that like do intricate things, you know, intricate, colorful things. I don't know. I really like being in my studio with my studio mates and that's where I get most of my inspiration from. It might not be like direct influence from what they're doing, but it's more about sharing creative space. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's healthy to look at people's work all the time for inspiration. Like, you know, it, it, it can be, it can be detrimental. Mm. So you got to find it, you know, you'll find it in the odd little places. Yeah. I've been finding since, um, like I've, I've been working in these, uh, sketchbooks, these little ones, I've done a drawing a day for the last six years. And, um, and I find the inspiration I get is just from out in the world now, if you know what I mean, as more of more subject matter, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, your work's changed, you know, dramatically in the last, well, it must've been six years, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that that's directly related to when you started doing that, right? Yeah. Because I remember you drawing, drawing fences and, um, I felt like that was like, that was this when you started using the red and black and then you just, you know, you always had the mullet heads, but yeah, I remember when you started drawing sort of more from your neighborhood and stuff. Yeah. 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 Like a huge change in your work. Ah, thanks mate. Very healthy to do that, to change it up and to like commit. And, uh, yeah, I mean that's really inspiring as well. I, I I like I like looking at James Jarvis's Instagram because he just draws, you know, the ball head skating and stuff, and they're really messy. And you do something like that once, and it's like, yeah, that's okay. But if you do it for like a year, it's impressive, you know. That's a project. Yeah, and I like people that commit to things like that. I, I, you know, it doesn't have to be doesn't have to be your um your main output of work but as a project on instagram whatever it is like however you decide to show your work it's really cool to do that i had sort of grand plans of doing a sketch of day on um procreate and then just sharing the time lapses but i got bored after one day (laughs) (laughs) it's the same reason i can't do 36 days of type or whatever it's called (laughs) yeah but i feel if 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 you commit to doing like one every day, it's actually a, a lot of work. Whereas if you commit to just like spending five minutes a day or something like that, it becomes yeah. just daily practice. If you know what yeah. I mean? Cause for instance, like I've, I, I started a drawing before this conversation and I probably won't, fi- I'm not going to finish it today. Cause I got going to go to the studio after this, but I'm looking at it now. It's right next to me and it's a, a, it's a circle of a, for a head and it's half filled in and that's it. Mm. And that's all it is. And it's like, yeah, but I still, I still had to, I still was had the the blank piece of paper in front of me, and I had to think, all right, what am I going to put on this? Well, you should just write for rich. Thanks for the memories, and just pop that in the post. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, you know what I mean. It's like it's more just like like I don't know if I, if if you commit to something big every day, it's not gonna it's not gonna last. 
you know, is if it just if something's small. It's like even for big projects, if I've got a big daunting project ahead of me and it's like, shit, that thing's coming up and I'm a bit scared to even start it. I know that if I if I spend like I used to do this with, with proposals where I've got to do a lot of typing, I'll I'll set an hour a day to do it. And it's like, oh, I can work on this for an hour. And then you get to like, um, you know, the end of the week and you look at what you've done and it doesn't feel like you've ever really slaved over it, but you've got like five hours of work that's done yeah. on this one thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's my advice anyway. It's just, Whereas if, you, if you're going to do a full like um, procreate drawing and time lapse, it sounds like it's a fair bit of work that goes into that. I oh, know. I was just drawing a cartoon head. I wasn't doing like a full blown, like, you know, a full-blown yeah. thing, but even that was like, nah, fuck that. <laughs> yeah, I don't draw if I don't feel like it. I just I won't yeah. do it because I don't like it. I won't I won't keep what I've done. If I'm not into drawing, I'm not going to draw. I yeah. can't do it. Yeah, I, it has to. It have to feel like I want to sit and draw. Fair enough. Which, which is terrible. And I was listening to something that Alan Moore said, uh, comic book writer Alan Moore. He was like, if a plumber decides he doesn't want to plumb that day, you know, it's just not really cool. You can't, you can't do that. And as a creative, you have a responsibility to uh, know what makes you inspired and use techniques to achieve that so that you can work every day. Because writer's block or creative block, if it's your job, it's really serious. You can't have that. You, I mean, I could have it for weeks, you know. So I've got a few ways of breaking out of that, which is always about getting out of your mindset and getting out of the slump. You're, you know, you're always going through waves of positivity and negativity. And creative block is just that. I think it's just like you're not inspired because you've not been for a walk or been to a museum or listened to an album or. I don't know, set yourself a little project, you know, it's easy to, it's easy to find a route out of it, but a lot of the time we don't want to. Mm. Is that, is that your tricks? You get out of the studio, you go for a walk and things like that. I think going to museum is really good. I think taking photos is really good. Um, often paint to music, which is music I know which I know gets me excited or like, you know, I, I want to listen to that because it's like a vibe that I want to feel when I'm painting. Um, set yourself like, um, instead of trying to paint one painting, paint paint a series, you know, that's all. It's just little tricks and techniques that you work for you, I suppose. You have to work out what those are if you want to, you know, go to the studio every day and be creative is a big ask. Yeah. Like, let's face it, a lot of the commercial work that you end up doing, there's almost zero creativity involved. You're literally just there to push the cursor. And, like, you know, I, the amount of work I do that I'd never show anyone is outrageous because I'm not proud of commercial work particularly. It's just someone else's idea that I had to execute. Yeah. So it's quite tricky to, you know, to separate those two things out. Yeah. So, um, so what advice would you give your younger self? My younger self. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Oh, fuck. I don't know. 
probably just trust myself a bit more and just just do what I think's right. You know, I think I've probably spent a lot of time, especially with painting, like worrying about the rules of painting. Do you think kids still worry about the fucking rules of graph and the rules of how, like, where and how and what you should paint? Like, just yeah. do what fuck you want. Doesn't yeah. matter. Just go and fucking make a mess. And, like, you know, older heads are going to laugh at you and call you a toy, but that's what you need. You can't walk into it and be like, ah, oh, I'm already on that level because no one will be. And like, just, just go and do it. Like, it's, it's the same thing as just like confidence, you know? If you could teach yourself confidence at a younger age, whether that be creatively or on whatever walk of life, but yeah, just to just get on with it and just do it and make mistakes and just hurry up. Just hurry up, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, do you keep uh, regular work hours? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I do. It. I do now. Like um, like I said, I had a kid and uh, really sorted me out in terms of work hours. So, yeah, I do like 10 till, 10 till 7 in the studio, four days a week, five days a week. Um don't really do much outside of that i will draw on the ipad to plan stuff in the evenings um but if i'm not feeling it i won't do it because i've done enough that week whatever depends what's going on really um but before that was fucking dreadful for like 20 years (laughs) literally getting up at midday going to bed at 4am because i would only draw at night just made this rule in my head that I would only draw at night so yeah I think a lot of people go through that creatively especially if you work from home it's a bit difficult to sort of police yourself yeah yeah I remember hanging out with artists um when I was you know back I think it was back in like 2013 I was living in London and I knew some uh artists who were full-time and they just never seemed to be getting any art done they were like I work, they'd sleep in till one in the afternoon and they'll get up and then they'll just, I don't know, bum around and then go to the pub in the evening. And it's like, hang on, it's a, it's a work day. You haven't done any work. <laughs> and I was just, I was just blown away. I was like, how are you guys making this happen? Like, like, where's the money coming from? Like, like what are you doing? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe behind the scenes, maybe while I was at work, they were slaving their asses off and I didn't realize. And when I was asleep, they were working their asses off. But, I don't know. I was just like, I, I never saw any artwork coming, like not a lot of artwork coming out of them. I was just blown away that they could make it happen, especially yeah. in London. Never stop asking where's the money coming from. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not easy to be an artist full time. So when you see someone who doesn't appear to be doing any art or stressed about that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, have, do you stress over money at all as an artist? <sighs> um... Yeah, I've always been a daydreamer. I've always been like away with the fairies and just, you know, terrible with money. So I do and I don't. Um, I should stress about it more. Um, But also, uh, I can't make anything if I'm 
thinking about anything else. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's a it's such a fine balance. It's such a little sweet spot I have to get into to have the motivation to want to do that. So I, I don't know. I've always I just, ignorance is bliss, I suppose. Yeah. I've I've worked out this thing with me where it's um I've done so much stress and overcash over the years. Oh, even when I was working full time. Don't stress when it's happening. Like I can but, see it coming, but yeah. I don't stress until it's like, oh fuck, it's too late. You know, well, when you're yeah. down to like literally, you can't take any money out of the machine. Then it's yeah. like, ah oh, fuck, I should do something about that. Yeah. Well, I, I've got I've got this theory, and it's just like I feel that I've done enough stressing over cash, and it all, and I'm still here. I've you know live a good quality of life and everything and it's like well i you know i feel like I've, I've there's no point in stressing about it anymore because it always comes through like i've been so broke so many times and in the beginning mountains of, this of debt and sorry the beginning of this year like for a lot of people i know it's been the worst start to any year like i got my first job through for this year like my first proper proper job on last thursday fucking tomorrow i'm gonna to be on lockdown for like four months you know yeah it's like the worst i'm like i was so fucking fed up and i spent all of last year getting ready for this show i did thinking as soon as the show drops boom here we go you know and then like all the possibilities and opportunities that came from that show were all long-term projects which weren't kicking off immediately and so, you know, I was left with like, I, I took six months off to make the show. And then the following six months that came afterwards, I was picking up bits of work, but not enough. Like I was, I need proper jobs. And uh, the ones that were like the most promising were the ones that were like, yeah, well, it will be like, you know, some point. And then like one of them just came through last week. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, been, it's just such a stress. And it's always a stress and it's always been a stress. And I think with what you were talking about earlier with people working from home now and, you know, with what's going on in the world, that's why it's kind of funny to everyone that's been freelance for a few years because, yeah, we never fucking know where that fucking check is going to be. Even when you've done work, you can fucking invoice and just, you can just wait because... Yeah, but but when you said it's a stress and it's always been a stress, but I, I I know I've I've changed my outlook on that because it's not, it doesn't have to be because stressing is a choice if you know what I mean. Yeah, like I've been broke, like I've been down to my last like twenty bucks in my pocket with no work on the horizon and the mortgage yeah. is due, all this sort of stuff. Yeah, and I'm just like everything's gonna be all right. It's always yeah. all right. And then, and then you, that twenty that twenty dollars is broken down to it, and you've got five five dollars left of that twenty dollars, and then bang, like you just sold something or whatever. It's like oh, back in the game. My mate Ricky explained this to me perfectly the other day, and he sort of described how I felt in my life. He was like, "I can feel my luck meter is filling up. You know, I feel yeah. like I'm empty, and I feel like it's filling. I feel like my luck meter is filling up." And I was like, yeah, me too. Uh, coronavirus. <laughs> but before that, I felt like my luck meter was definitely filling up. Maybe it still is. Yeah. 
Well, yeah. No, no, it, what, no what, like, as it, the future's unknown. If it is, I'll be using my luck to stay alive rather than to get sweet, sweet jobs. <laughs> yeah, but who knows? Like this, you might, like, while you're in isolation, you might come across a new style that opens up so much possibility for you or something. You know what I mean? Like, you just don't know what's waiting around the corner. Just got to be optimistic. Yeah, I mean, I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I know it's... I think we're just used we're just used to feeling that pressure on us. So you choosing to not acknowledge that pressure is because you're so used to it and you're so used to it always being fine. Whereas a lot of people that are experiencing that for the first time, like will be like we when we experienced it for the first time, you know? Yeah. At the first yeah. twenty times, the first thirty times, you know? Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. The amount of time once, right? I was a week before Christmas, I had ten pound in my bank account. So I went to take it out because, well, may as well take it out, right? I'm not going to buy my family any presents or anything that year. And I'm old enough to have not let that happen, you know, probably in my like mid-20s. And um, I had like a grand in my bank account. I was like, what the fuck? So I just took it all out because I knew it was a mistake. I knew someone had fucked up somewhere. But I never questioned it. I just got the money out of there. And I bought everyone Christmas presents and I've got, you know, went to the pub. And I found out like months later that like some company on the other side of the country had got one digit wrong on a payment detail to somebody. Literally. And that was my bank account. And they just deposited the money in there instead because they got one digit wrong. You have to pay it back? Nah, they sent me loads of letters. Sorry, man, it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. That's what I mean. That's, that's always works. everything works. Itself, everything works itself out, don't they? That's how <laughs> I look at the world, anyway. Some people might think I'm tripping and I'm living in a dream world, but hey, hey. I don't know. Don't stress it. Yeah, not not interested. That's what I always say. Not interested <laughs> in stressing. So where's the uh, where's the best place for people to see your art online? I don't have a website anymore, which is a, <laughs> a strange choice for someone that chooses to make their living through visual mediums. Uh, you can just see it on Instagram. Yeah, Rich T Paint R I C H T Paint, and that cool. is my Instagram. And It'll probably be pretty dormant for the next few months. <laughs> but, Why? You don't plan on doing any uh, artwork while you're inside? Uh, I don't know. It's a good question, man. This is the time, man. Like, what? Like, this is the time to create. Mm. What are you going to do? Just watch, like, binge Netflix? It's not no, a bit I of a waste of life, isn't it? I've, I've got a three-year-old, so... He's yeah. not he's not at nursery or at school or anything. So today we went in the garden and we painted some stones. So that was fun. But I don't think that's going on my Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, he asked me for uh, a rhino action figure. Uh, I had a rhino action figure, but he said it wasn't good enough. So I had to put roller skates and sunglasses on it, which I had to make out of Lego and masking tape. So there's a lot of projects going on. But I'm not sure any of them are um, going to make the grid. Yeah. 
Yeah. But yeah, of course I'll make some shit, man. I just started doing something actually. I've got a, I've got a job at the moment, which is um just ten days design work. So when I'm not doing that, I'm 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 working on that. I don't sh- tend to show anything that's commercial work because I think it's boring. But my Instagram stories will be full of stupid shit, obviously. Yeah. So now when you, like when you do design work, you um, do you like bring your own style into it and say, "I just, you know, you get me more or less." You can. I mean, that's the dream, right? This one is this one is dreamy. This one is like they wanted my shit, so perfect. Obviously, they've got input into content around my style, but um, you know, it's not always the case. I tend to get asked to do my thing with these things. So they'll have a list of stuff they want me to draw in my style. But I have a theory about clients is that they always like your style until it's for them. And then they're a bit like, mm, it's a bit, mm, you know, Yeah. <laughs> they love that stuff you did for that person. Well, they love your last painting, but then when they when it's for them and when it's for their client, they're a bit like, yeah, it's a bit it's a bit much. Can you tone it down or like can you change it? So um, yeah. I'll expect massive changes as I do with everything. But if you don't go big on the first draft, then you're just gonna get it watered down to nothing, right? Yeah. So it's um, it's interiors for like student flats. Oh, okay. Fun. It's like designing murals that I then would have to paint. But because I'm using Procreate and using all the bells and whistles, I've got to be really aware that I don't design something I can't physically paint, <laughs> which is definitely a danger. Yeah. Well, I look forward to uh, seeing, seeing some uh, projects pop up on your uh, Instagram. I just look forward to seeing some stir-crazy, locked-in-the-house drawings that I produce. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Enjoy lockdown, everybody. And remember, this too shall pass. We'll get through it. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Thanks for having me, Tom. All right. Thanks for taking the time to sit down and have a chat. It's been great. It's been a pleasure.